Hey everybody, this is Rick Lee James, your host here at Voices in My Head. This is episode number 120. Today's episode is going to be Sermon 5 of 10. I can't believe we're already halfway through, but these are some sermons that I preached a few weeks ago in West Virginia at a camp meeting I was a part of. Um, and uh, questions from God is the theme that we're still dealing with. And uh, I hope that you've been enjoying this series so far. I've been getting some good comments online. I'd love to hear from you. So if you want to send me an email, just go to Rick rickleejames.com slash contact and there's all my contact information there or you can just send me a tweet on twitter at rickleejames um just before we begin, I just do want to remind you we are in the process of funding my next project. It is a record, it is a songbook, and it is a film, if we can get all the funding for it. And it's going to be called The Hymn Project. At least that's a working title right now because we're going to be focusing on hymns, both ancient and modern. And uh, we're going to be doing some really, uh, I think it's going to be an amazing project if we can get it off the ground. But we really need lots of help. So if you could go to GoFundMe.com. That's G-O-F-U-N-D-M-E dot com slash hymns, H-Y-M-N-S. If you go to rickleejames.com, it'll tell you all about it there. Or one last easy step that'll take you there, rickleejames.com slash hymns, H-Y-M-N-S. Okay, I won't talk any more about it on this episode other than to say, please, we need your help. We're challenging people to give. You can pre-order the album. There's all kinds of rewards that you have that you can uh, that you can get for that. Also, uh, I don't know if it'll still be happening uh, much longer, but if you go to books.noisetrade.com, my book is being featured on the front page of Noise Trade Books right now, Out of the Depths, A Songwriter's Journey Through the Psalms. Uh, at the time of recording this, it's been up for about one day. It's going to be on there for a week. We've given away about 125 copies of that book already, and I want to give away as many as I can. So uh, it's only going to be for about a week that we're going to have this up there, so if you want to get a free copy of my book go to uh, books.noisetrade.com all right well we're going to go ahead and move on with the episode thank you so much for listening to voices in my head i appreciate all of you i would love to hear back from you leave us a review on itunes or send me a message let me know what you're thinking of the show god bless again in music today. We really appreciate that. I, it answered some questions for me, though, about you, Carlos. I had you pegged as a sloppy wet kisser, not an unforeseen kisser in that song. You guys know what I'm talking about, you know? One of my favorite memes online was, hey, baby, are you an unforeseen kisser or a sloppy wet kisser from uh, How He Loves? So. <laughs> anyway. Sorry, I just totally spoiled the mood, didn't I? I apologize. I, it, I'm just excited that Carlos and I are going to go out crime fighting after this because he's Captain America and I'm Batman. We are the doughiest superheroes you ever saw. So it'll be, 
striking fear into the heart of evil. <laughs> anyway, I'm feeling I'm feeling good this morning, guys. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to get to laugh with you guys and share some time with you. It's been a good week so far. I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. Uh, this morning, we're going to continue looking at questions from God, and uh, I appreciate how attentive that you have been through these times. And, uh, we're just going to trust that the Lord is drawing close with us today. I'm going to start with a, with a quote this morning from one of my favorite theologians and writers, Stanley Hauerwas is his name. It says, The difference between those who admire Jesus and those who, who would be his disciples is indicated by his disciples' willingness to come to him on the mountain. So we're talking about the difference between those who admire Jesus and those who wish to be his disciples. Those who wish to be um, taught by Jesus, those who wish to be followers, the difference between admirers and followers. And we're going to look at some, some questions that Jesus poses to us in Scripture today. We're going to be in, uh, in Matthew 5 in just a moment, but Matthew 5 uh, begins what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Who's heard of the Sermon on the Mount? Just a show of hands. Good, your arms are good. That's good. Uh, it's not really one sermon necessarily. It, it's kind of misleading maybe to, to modern ears when we call it the Sermon on the Mount. But it's sort of a compilation of the things Jesus taught, kind of put together in one place. And Matthew kind of tells it like a sermon, like Jesus went up on the mountain to tell this story, to tell these sermons, to tell what the kingdom of God is like and what those who follow Jesus will be like. Uh, it's my belief that Matthew structured the narrative of, of the Sermon on the Mount to bring to mind Moses. You guys have heard of Moses, right? The Ten Commandments guy, led the people out of Egypt. Um, well, I think he wants to bring to mind Moses in this passage, who received the law of God up on what? It's a high place. You have them in West Virginia. Yes. Mountain, on the mountain, Mount Sinai. Um, Jesus goes up on the mount, okay? So we're trying to, to bring to mind this picture that reminds us a little bit of Moses when he went on the mountain to receive the law of God. In the book of Exodus, Moses is called by God to ascend Mount Sinai to receive the law from God. And Sinai was wrapped in smoke, and the whole mountain trembled before the presence of God and at the thunder of his voice. When the Lord summons Moses to join him, on the mountain, he warns that no others except for Moses, brother Aaron, would be permitted to accompany him up the mountain. So just Moses and his brother Aaron. Nobody else was allowed. Well, in Matthew chapter 5, now keep in mind Moses, okay? Jesus sees a crowd of people that had gathered all around him. And he, like Moses, goes up the mountain. And after he sits down, his disciples come to him. It's interesting that, you know, a lot of times we preach standing up, and Jesus seemed to do it sitting down because that's what teachers did. And after he sits down, his disciples come to him. This means that the disciples had to come out of the crowd and climb up the mountain to be with Jesus, which, of course, puts them at risk of being directly addressed by him because the crowd is no longer around. It would be as if I have a crowd here this morning, and I said, I'm going to go teach over there, and whoever wants to come can. And only like 12 of you came with me, you know. And then it's a little bit more intimate. A little more chance that I'm going to address just you rather than just everybody. It takes guts to leave the crowd. 
and come up to be addressed by Jesus. Jesus, this new sort of Moses, is surrounded by his disciples so that they can be taught how to be holy. Matthew chapter 2, verse 5 tells us that Jesus wasn't just speaking to his disciples, he was teaching them. It says that he's giving them real instruction. And I can't emphasize how important this is to what I'm talking about today. The disciples have visibly left the crowd to follow Jesus up the mountain to be trained. They've given up everything in order to follow Jesus. Another of my favorite theologians, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said this about the disciples. The disciples of Jesus, they are the poorest of the poor. They are the most tempted of the tempted. They are the hungriest of the hungry. They have only him. The disciples will be his messengers. They will find listeners and believers here and there. Nevertheless, there will be enmity or strife between the disciples and people until the end. Everyone's rage at God and God's word will fall on the disciples and they will be rejected with him. It's very important to realize the disciples took the courage to step out of the crowd and go someplace with Jesus, which they probably knew was going to lead someplace they didn't want to go. There is some bravery to that. It's hard to follow Jesus, and the disciples know it if anyone does. People are constantly trying to take the hard stuff out of Jesus' teachings, and I've done it myself, admittedly. I want to make Jesus easier to follow than what he really is, but it's difficult to follow Jesus. Rich Mullins, who long since has passed away, he was a great songwriter, he had one of my favorite songs, just said, it's hard to be like Jesus. And it's true. People are always trying to take the risk out of the Sermon on the Mount. But these are the things Jesus taught. And people ask things like this, does Jesus really think it's possible for us to live without lust? How do we run the world if we don't resist evildoers? Is it possible to live as peacemakers in a world of war makers where civilian planes are shot out of the sky by missiles? To ask these type of questions are to separate the teachings from the teacher. Without the living Christ in us, we will not live out the Sermon on the Mount because it's just impossible. The things Jesus teaches, without Jesus, you won't be able to do. You might know that you need to love your enemies, but without Jesus in your life, you probably won't. You probably won't follow most of the teachings of Jesus, unfortunately, until you've experienced some real pain in your life. It's costly. But even so, the teaching that Jesus gives in the Sermon on the Mount, it's supposed to shape us. It's supposed to form us into the people of God, as though we were clay being formed by a master potter. So that's what we're about to read in a moment here. The one who preaches this sermon is the Son of God, the new Moses, the new Messiah who is making all things new. The Sermon on the Mount is the reality of the new age made possible in our time. We aren't supposed to separate the sermon from the one who's preaching it. So don't separate these things from Jesus, okay? Don't just take these as, oh, I'll try to live these out and live them without Jesus because you can't do it. Jesus is not only fully man. I want to affirm for us this morning it's the thing we say in the creed every day. He is also fully God. Jesus spoke out of the depth of a reality as no other human being on earth had ever spoken before because he was fully God and fully man. 
He wasn't just a little bit God and a little bit man. Any more than you can be just a little bit pregnant. Okay? <laughs> I know someone could come home and be nervous and tell their parents, I'm a little pregnant. No, you're either all in or you're not. You know, Jesus is either all God or he's not. He's either all human or he's not. He's both. We affirm that in the creeds. The Sermon on the Mount is to be interpreted as the Word of God who became human. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that as well. In other words, Jesus practices what he preaches. He embodies what he teaches. He is the living Word of God in the flesh. Jesus is the Word of God. What Jesus says on these matters is what's, what is true. Jesus is what God has to say. So this sermon is not addressed to individuals. It's addressed to the community. So you are the community this morning. You're about to be addressed by the teachings of Jesus. The teachings of Jesus don't work with... Hey, there's a cat. Sorry, distraction. Squirrel! <laughs> um, anyway, I was just... Where is it? I saw a wiener dog running down the road a few minutes ago, too. It's just like an animal farm running right um, So anyway, uh, the Sermon on the Mount is not addressed just to individuals. It's addressed to the community. The teachings of Jesus don't work without Jesus... And they don't work without a community. The Sermon on the Mount, okay, and this, this is maybe a way to help you understand the Sermon on the Mount before we read a little bit more. The Sermon on the Mount is the constitution of the people of God. You can't live by the demands of the Sermon on your own, but that's the point. The Sermon on the Mount is designed to make us depend on God and to depend on each other. So say that with me. It's designed to make us depend on God and to depend on each other, okay? That's the purpose of the sermon. The sermon is not a list of requirements that the people of God have to live up to in order to become Christians. The Sermon on the Mount, it's like a description of what people are like who follow Jesus. Saying, if you follow Jesus, this is what you will be like. This is what true believers look like. It's kind of a roadmap for us. This is how people uh, that know Jesus is alive because they look like this. Because Jesus is living through them. When people actually encounter the risen Christ, the things Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount will begin to flow out of them. When these things don't flow out of a person, that's why we need the community to keep us in check. To help us say, hey, how's your spiritual journey? Ask the hard questions. You individually need to know Jesus as Savior, but you can't live out Jesus' teachings without fellow disciples. It's just impossible. You need the old folks. The old folks in church need you. The middle-aged people need everybody. It doesn't work without all of us together. So you aren't asked this morning to go out and try to do these things. You are asked this morning to try to know Jesus more and these things will be the outgrowth of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's different than just rules. This is kind of what people who know Jesus look like. So I want you to try to hear this as I read it this morning. And yes, we are actually going to get to the scripture now. Try to hear this as I have described it. Not as a list of rules, but as a description of what Christians look like when they're living out the gospel of Jesus Christ with each other and with Jesus. Okay, Matthew 5. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. So again, call to mind Moses in this time. He went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak, and he taught them, saying, 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then we're going to skip down to verse 38 because it's a long sermon. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's biblical, by the way. But I say to you, this is one of those places where even Scripture bows to Jesus. Did you know sometimes Scripture gets it a little wrong? And Jesus has to help us reinterpret it? This is one of those places. Because we believe in Jesus as the living Word of God, that He gets the final say. We're not biblicists, we're Christians. We believe in the power of the Bible, but we need to make that distinction. Jesus tells us how to read Scripture. So you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give them your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you. And do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. And pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? There's a question from God today. If you only love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's easy, right? Be perfect. We're going to get into that a little bit more this evening, into what that means. But I want you to kind of think about it today, especially that last part where we have the question from God. If you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same thing. So today's question from God is that. And then it goes into something that's just like it. Be perfect, therefore, as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Um, I want us to, to think about this together this morning. So if it's okay with you guys, I want you guys to maybe break off in some groups, okay? And I don't know exactly how to structure this. Maybe you can do it like groups of three to five people or something. And we're not going to take a long time, but we're going to just discuss for a few minutes, and then we're going to end with our creed, okay? Because I just want us to think about these things together. Um, you don't always need to hear me talk, and, and I want you guys to be able to interact some about this. But please interact about this, what I'm about to say, Okay. Here's, here's a couple questions for you to think about. And after I ask these questions and you kind of get them in your mind, 
Uh, I just want you to kind of break off, maybe groups of three to five, something like that. Not real big groups. Uh, but here's the questions. What does G why does Jesus say even the Gentiles do that? Okay, so who are the Gentiles? I want you to talk about that together, okay? You guys got that first question? You understand that? Why does Jesus say, you know, if you only love people who love you, what benefits that? Even the Gentiles do that. Why does he specifically single out Gentiles, okay? You may not know the answer, and I'm not going to even tell you this morning. I just want you to discuss it, okay? We're going to talk about it more tonight. But one other thing to ponder, uh, besides why Jesus would mention the Gentiles, is what is the meaning of the word perfection, okay? Because that's very important. When Jesus says, be perfect, that's all I'm asking, be perfect. I want you guys to discuss together what perfect means, okay? Because I have a feeling it probably means something different in the Bible than what we think it does today, but I'm not going to tell you the answers this morning. I want you to discuss it first, okay? I want you to think on it. I want you to dwell on it. So do you have those two questions in mind? Can somebody tell me back? Uh, discuss together what it means to be perfect. And discuss together why Jesus would say even the Gentiles do that. Why would he mention Gentiles specifically, okay? You may not know, and that's okay. I just want you to kind of simmer on it for a while. Talk about it. Discuss it together. So somebody say it back to me. What are the two questions? What's the first one? Who are the Gentiles, right? Why would Jesus refer to them? Say, even the Gentiles do that. Um, and then the other one was what? Perfection, okay? Talk about perfection, okay? So can you guys, you guys don't need me to break you up, right? You guys can get into little groups. Let's take like five minutes, all right? And just grab maybe... You know, just a handful of other people around you. Okay, then like five minutes passed and we came back together and this is what happened. Hey, if I could, if I could have everybody's attention please again as you get back in your seats. No. Thanks. Um, remember, you're being recorded so they're going to know you're unruly on my podcast if you keep doing this. So anyway. Um, hey, I just need, I need like one person from each group. It doesn't matter, just maybe a spokesman. Uh, somebody to come up, I don't know how many groups there were, but somebody courageous that would step out of the crowd this morning and would come up and just give me some answers you discussed. We're not going to make fun of you, I promise. I just want to hear what different answers we came up with. Let's do the first question first. Who were the Gentiles? Okay, so let's start here with Cynthia real quick. And, uh, and everybody pay attention. Let's hear what they had to say to us today, okay? Okay, we'll, we'll come back to you, okay? Who has an answer to who the Gentiles were? Well, in the literal sense, it was anyone who wasn't a Jew. So Jesus was pretty much saying to the people back then, hey, even... Even the Gentiles, because back then would have been, you know, not a good thing. <laughs> all right, so uh, nowadays with Christianity and all that coming in, well, the Gentiles could just be anybody who isn't saved. Like, even people who aren't saved, like, care about their family and care about people who are kind to them. Good, good. Anybody else? Great, great job. Anybody else have the answer to the first question, the Gentiles, who they were? Do you have an answer that's a little bit different from that at all or anything? I think that's just the whole mock that we're getting. Okay. 
I really want I really want somebody from your group to come and explain that. Maybe Dan will have to come. I don't know. This is this is a funny answer, by the way. This is a, this is a good one. It's just worth. It's just good enough to, to share before we leave. Start doing this. Oh yeah, it's pretty good. Two of us have to leave the state after this. In a couple of modern translations we found on phones back there, it says even the pagans do that. And somewhere in the vast yesher life of study, I remember that the word pagan actually means country dweller. It means a person who lives out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so we felt like it probably should say um, even the hillbillies love the people that love them. Um, and then we got to chatting around a minute and we thought, even the rednecks love the people who love them. Um, even we love only the people who are just like us. I thought that was good. Even the hillbillies. See, I wasn't going to take it there. That's good. Okay, let's go ahead and dance here. We, we have several people up here. Did anybody else want to take a stab at that one? You, I'll feel like you're pretty much hitting on the same one. Okay. Um, all right, let's talk about perfection real quick. Okay? Do you have an answer for what perfection is? What I think about perfection is like where um, where it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to be scared. It's all right. It's okay. You don't have to be scared, right? It's okay. It's totally all right. Whatever you want to say. And if you don't want to say it, you don't have to.
when that says to be be perfect, then it kind of means to strive for perfection. Like you don't necessarily have to be perfect, but you're striving. That's your end goal is to be perfect, like God is perfect. Uh, does anybody else have one that, that differs? you have a different one? Okay. He's got it on this phone. All right. He's shaking it. He's ready. What's that word? All right. Let's see. Uh, the page just changed. I don't know. It said Yahoo. Uh, sorry about that. I, I think I lost the page. Uh, quality. The quality or... Condition of being perfect. Okay, all right. The quality or condition of being perfect. Perfection. All right. Thank you, Yahoo. We appreciate it. Uh, anybody else have another answer? Okay. Anybody at all? You don't. You don't have to if it's, if it's the same answer. But I mean, come on up. If, if like... oh. All right. Well, you were heading here first, so let me do him first, and then then we'll have you. Okay. All right, my answer is actually pretty similar to Simon's, but uh, all right. Now, could mean spiritual perfectionism. Your heart's right with God. You don't desire to do wrong anymore. It could be something like that. Okay, you don't. You don't desire to do wrong. Okay, that's good. That's good. I think perfection is when something serves its purpose. So. You can have flaws in it, uh, like these chairs, some of them have dents and things like that, but uh, you're sitting on them and they're holding you up like they're supposed to, so they serve their purpose. Mm. They're perfect. That's a really good answer. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, I want to thank everybody for their courage to kind of step out from the crowd a little bit and, and answer it, because that does take some courage to come up. And uh, you know what? None of these answers... Um, I don't know that they're all completely right, and I don't know that they're all completely wrong either. Because sometimes the words that we have in English, um, they're similar to what we mean, but they're not exactly uh, what, what it means in the original language. So tell you what, I want you to think about it some more today. Tonight, I'm going to talk a little bit more about it. Although, just because it's funny, I love the hillbilly answer. That's my, my favorite. Even the hillbillies do that. So, um, Anyway, well, let's do this together this morning, everybody. Thank you so much for... Thank you for actually discussing that together this morning. I appreciate you guys so much for doing that. Let us end our session today by uh, reciting our creed together. Let's stand up, and we're going to state once again what we as Christians believe from the Maasai people in Africa. We believe in the one high God who out of love created the beautiful world and everything good in it. He created man and wanted man to be happy in the world. God loves the world and every nation and tribe on the earth. We have known this high God in darkness, and now we know him in the light. God promised in the book of his word, the Bible, that he would save the world and all the nations and tribes. We believe that God made good his promise by sending his son, Jesus Christ, a man in the flesh, a Jew by tribe, born poor in a little village, who left his home and was always on safari doing good, curing people by the power of God, teaching about God and man, 
showing the meaning of religion is love. He was rejected by his people, tortured and nailed hands and feet to a cross and died. He lay buried in the grave, but the hyenas did not touch him. And on the third day he rose from the grave. He ascended to the skies. He is the Lord. We believe that all our sins are forgiven through him. All who have faith in him must be sorry for their sins, be baptized in the Holy Spirit of God, live the rules of love, and share the bread together in love, to announce the good news to others until Jesus comes again. We are waiting for him. He is alive. He lives. This we believe. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, go with us this day, we pray again. Help us as we journey and as we ponder more what it means. What, what do you mean, Lord, by the word perfect? What do you mean for us to be perfect as the Father is perfect? What do you mean, Lord, when you say even the Gentiles do that? Um, help it to, to resonate in our hearts today. Help us to think about these things and what you intended for us. Will you, Lord Jesus, speak to our hearts individually and communally today? that all of us together would share fellowship with Jesus this day. We love you and thank you for loving us so much. Our love for you pales in comparison to the love you have for each one of us. We are so grateful to be children of God. And so we go this day in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay, one quick thing before you go, or two quick things, okay? I just want to let you guys know, you may not know this, but I would love to, to keep track of you guys, like if, or if you want to keep track of what's going on with me as I travel and tour and record music and all that kind of stuff and speak. Um, in the chapel in the evenings, I have a table that's got like a bunch of my CDs and my books and things like that. And there's a, my iPad will be there during the services and before and after. And if anybody would like to come up, you can just put your name. If you have an email address, you can put your email address in. And then I'll send your email address to like companies and they'll send you spam and all kinds of junk mail and stuff. No, I'm kidding. I won't do that. No, I'll just, if you want to keep up with me, I just want to encourage you to do that because I love to keep track of, of kind of you guys. You can send me emails from time to time. Let me know how you're doing. The other thing is we had to change the hashtag. Some of you are sending like Twitter posts about camp this week. God question mark didn't work because we found out question marks can't be hashtags. So... God's Pondering, if you can remember that. It's hashtag God's Pondering, if you use Twitter. I've been getting a few questions from people through that and trying to respond um, individually to them through those accounts. So if you have a question or a thought, it's hashtag God's Pondering. That's the one we're using for camp this week. Okay, with that, we are done. You guys have a great day today. Thanks. You've been listening to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. And I'd love this to be a community experience. So if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback, you can give me suggestions for future shows, you can even record comments that I can play on the next podcast. So let's make this something really great together. 937-505-0162. Thank you so much for listening to Voices in My Head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. God bless.